Welcome to the Second Chance Podcast, where we explore the deeper inner of the human psyche, find new ways to reinvent and invent ourselves for the better, for the wiser, for the more rational, and the happier and more contented. Far cry from the wilderness, far cry from the suffering of the young, the widowed, far cry from the indigenous, come what may, and the barrels of war, and the blood-stricken soldiers, and their heroic efforts, to make do with what humanity has left them. Or the comfortable cry of the luxurious minded, the luxurious experienced where even the slightest toothache is what to cry about, what to mourn about, where suffering begins at the painful emotional strike of their friend's comment. And worst case scenario, that they broke up with their spouse, we frame our pain and suffering in the reality of our lives so much that One suffering might be another's blessing, and one's blessing might be another's suffering. So in our endless pursuit to alleviate suffering from human existence, why don't we look there at at that anomaly that the soldier's suffering and the comfortable... 21st century Western society is in stark difference. Might in fact the suffering of a Westerner be the blessing of the soldier or the wanderer or the refugee for that matter. Why are they so different? Why is why can we be in one situation and that's called suffering and then get accustomed to another situation and now that is not called suffering anymore. It's maybe a blessing.
I'm going to go as far as to say that we are the producers of suffering and blessing. It is not the reality of suffering, but rather the production of suffering. For if in our comfortable societies, a slight rebuke is akin to the most horrible of aggression, considered a physical act of sorts. It is not that we are spoiled, but that we are producing a different notion of suffering. And we don't have to regard it as suffering. Just as the, the gymnast may do their acts which requires intense suffering during training and during performance and they are delighted in that. They are delighted to do it more, to do it better. So to the the soldier on the battlefield might find his or her experiences to be lacking suffering or the the mark of suffering. So who produces the suffering and why do we produce it? What does that teach us about us? My mind leads me to to another component of humanity. The fact that we need to answer to suffering. And in fact, I think the fact that we need to answer to suffering is deeper, is more fundamental than the actual suffering itself. We need to we need to know why we suffered more than the experience of the suffering, the pain of the suffering. It's the why that haunts us. Now, why do we have a haunting element of why? What drives us to want to answer to it? Well, what's the ultimate suffering? Death. What's the ultimate question? Why do we die? Or why do we live? Why is death the ultimate suffering? Because it's the ultimate question. That's my argument. The question brings the suffering. And why do we have the question? Why do we question our existence and our human value. Why did they die? Why do we have that in us? Because fundamentally we need to value things. For those who want to continue asking why, why do we need to value things? 
Well, we feel embedded to value. And when we see value degrade, we want it back because we are one with value. We need to see that value because we know it to be true and we want it to be displayed as such. Why are we bound to value? I'm going to leave that to nature because at some point I can't answer why. At some point I'm going to have to hit the bedrock of nature and let nature answer for I can't answer for nature. But I think that our integration with value and our painful suffering shouldn't use that word, but our our ultimate goal is to maintain that value. When we see that value fall away, we ask why. So it is not suffering per se that's the fundamental experience, but rather the question which invokes suffering. The reason that the comfortable, luxurious life of a Western 21st century family finds mundane things to be suffering is because they found value in everything else. So now they need to know why on the mundane. It's in fact a good thing. Not that they're spoiled, but rather that they've elevated themselves and taken care of the big things, the big problems, the threats, the war, the societal uh, aggression. And now what they're left with is the mundane to answer to. So now they must answer, why did I get ridiculed? Why did I feel this emotion? Although on the scale of suffering, on the scale of questions of value, it's very low. There's no other questions for them to ask, or they'll be asking those. Can the soldier let go of the questions in the battlefield? For sure not, because they're embedded with value, and they see value fall away. They see people stranded, slayed, destroyed, decimated, bloodied, cleaving to life while death is calling them. And they ask why, and only then do they feel the suffering. If they have no why, there's no suffering. If one day you found the luxurious life, you found the family member, and you told them, that there's good reasons for your suffering from this mundane ridicule that you're experiencing, the emotional response of that ridicule that you're experiencing. And you explain to them the, the value structure of that and the essential components of how this could evolve into 
the biggest masterpiece they've ever encountered. Will they feel suffering now? Will they suffer in that? Will they find the light? Why is it that a veteran warrior, or just a veteran, or a seasoned war professional, stop asking those questions? Two reasons. One, they've answered them, or they continuously answer them. Or two, they've moved those questions to somewhere else, another domain. Ironically, something less in-depth as the actual human life itself. For them, the why is, why did their spouse say that to them? Even though they see their friend getting shot, the why is not in their friend, but in why did their spouse say that hurtful comment? They decided not to ask the bigger questions, and narrowed it to the smaller questions. It's ironic because we're anyways going to ask, so might as well ask big if unfortunately we're given the opportunity. You see, we're seeing this all wrong. The bigger the question, the better, not the worse. The more wise, the more cravings to understand the more possibility of value at the other end the greater the answers will be and the greater our lives will be for if we are integrated with value itself then we would benefit deeply if we gave value structures to humanity itself But this is controversial. For if you start building value structures, you are creating hierarchies. If you create a hierarchy, you're leaving people out of that value structure. And you're labeling things as they are. You're putting price tags on everything you see. Human, animal, society, groups. You're labeling everything. You're saying this is worth $100, this is two, this is three. You're giving exact value structures to everything because you analyze it, not because you found hatred in your companion and you wanted to destroy them of their value, but rather you just seeked out to your fullest abilities the, the argumentation that led you to get that value that you did. And yes, if you have a controversial answer, you need to stand by it because that is your, that's your answer. That's how, that's how you've concluded. And if we're bound, if we're integrated to value structures, if we're integrated to the notion of value and to being valued and to value others and we ignore that because it's deeply impolitically correct it's it's the antithesis of our modern society and even the most conservative 
public figures will always deviate from this conversation and they will stick to only a very um a very unclear picture of that value structure just for the taste although we all know that in their own hearts they have a bigger value structure that they're not sharing because they know that we are not ready because they know that we will decimate their value structure and that will hurt them publicly and privately. And for that reason, I'm not sharing my value structure only by saying that the necessity of having a value structure to give answers to these questions because it's not suffering that's most fundamental to the human psyche, but rather the questions that bring suffering. The why comes before the pain. I don't mean to say that there's no such thing as pain before the why, but what keeps the pain charged and interested and interesting is the why that's attached to it. The basketball player doesn't ask why to the pain or has a great answer. Has something that they could deeply face existentially they have answers of career answers of brotherhood answers of monetary gain answers of being an influence on society they have great answers so the pain is not there it doesn't exist moving our arm is painful but it's so small it's so minute it's so slight that we don't feel it but someone who's deeply depressed, moving an arm is painful. They feel the pain, the movement, the stress of the body. Everything is painful if you psychoanalyze or microscopic detail the, the area in question. It's the why that keeps it alive and remembered. The one who goes to the gym and works out for an hour puts pain on every part of their body, on their heart, on their vital organs, on their limbs, on their muscles. They don't remember the pain. But yet if someone invoked that pain on them involuntarily and beat their body from head to toe, equivalently, if you could measure pain, equivalently to that, to that pain, to that earlier, to the workout pain, that will be remembered for life because there's a deep question of why. The why brings the suffering to fruition. Everything is suffering fundamentally 
It's not that the 21st century luxurious lifestyle is a spoiled lifestyle, and therefore everything becomes suffering, the mundane becomes important, but rather because there's nothing else to ask why to. So they find something insufficient to be their existential worry. It's not existence that they worry about, but it's the hurtful comment that was said to them. For that's where they choose to delve and to question. But we always must question because we always must value. And it's strange that we act like in our society that this is not our nature. And it's somehow something that we could strip from our beings. It's one and the same. Value, suffering... Suffering will always be, yet we choose what to answer and to question in suffering. So take the time and think about it. What is more fundamental to our beings? The value that we must invoke on things? Or the suffering itself. For don't we always suffer? Are we always suffering? Isn't walking a form of suffering? Isn't breathing a form of suffering? We have good answers to breathe. We have good answers to walk. We don't have good answers on the battlefield. We just don't. And we need to answer them. We need to ask them and we need to answer them. We don't have to be in a situation where the suffering invokes questions which we require to answer, which we are required to answer. Rather, we can ask those questions today because that's who we are anyway and give great answers. Why let nature come upon you before you answer nature? Answer nature because it is there, because you exist, and you deserve to know. You deserve to know. Thanks for listening, and if you would like to see the video version of this, check out my channel on YouTube.